Proverbs chapter 4. In Solomon's writing to his son, he tells him the importance of understanding and knowing and having wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 4, hear ye children the instructions of a father, verse 1, and attend to no understanding, for I give you good doctrine. Forsake ye not my law, for I was my father's son, tender and only child in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, let your heart retain my words. Guard my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall guard you. Love her, and she shall keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore, get wisdom. And with all of you getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote you. She shall bring you to honor when you embrace her. She shall give to your head an ornament of grace. A crown of glory shall she deliver to you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning for this word, and we give you glory and praise and honor. Question you now to come into the midst of us. Hide us, Father, behind the cross. Holy Spirit, come forth and teach us, for you are our teacher. We ask you to lead and guide us and bring back to our heart the things that we've already studied. Bless your people with the word of life. We give you praise and glory. We thank you for this assembly that's gathered here today in Christ Yeshua, our mighty Savior's name. We decree and declare it and ask it by faith. Let all God's people say, Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. Solomon writes to his son and he teaches him one of the most important principles of living, and that is the principle of wisdom. Wisdom is the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. It is being wise and having soundness in action and decisions with regards to applying this application to every experience in our life. It takes knowledge and understanding and experience to gain wisdom according unto the word of God. And Solomon did not warn his son to go about not having this precious gift that God gives to each and every one of us. He says that we need to have this treasure in our lives in order for us to do things in a godly fashion and in a godly way. So from the theme of Father's wisdom, let's look at what Solomon talks about. The Word of God says, children, hear the instructions of a father. Attend to no understanding, forget it not. Why? Because I give you good doctrine. So the word of God tells us that Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. There'll be none wiser before or after him. The word tells us and teaches us. And Solomon prayed unto God and asked God for wisdom. And God granted it unto him. Because he didn't ask for riches, 
Because he didn't ask for all of the earthly things that he could have asked for, he simply said, Father, give me wisdom to govern your people. As the king, he ruled Israel and Judah for 40 years. And in the process of ruling these nations, he needed wisdom in order to make right decisions when the time was right. He had in a situation that occurred where he really needed to depend upon God's wisdom in his decision. I think I told you about these two women. They were both uh, uh, harlots and they had children. Both of them had children within a week of each other. And they were, their babies were lying in bed beside them one night and, and, and they went to sleep. And while they were asleep, one of them just overlaid the child and it died. And she jumps up in the middle of the night and takes her baby and puts it in the other girl's room and, 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 and takes the child of the other lady and takes it to her room and put it in her bosom. The other girl wakes up in the morning, finds that the child is deceased. And as she examines the child, she realizes that it's not hers. And she goes to this young lady that has her child and demands her to give her the baby back, which she refused to do. So the king was called into the matter. And Solomon comes into the matter and he listens to what they have to say just before he makes judgment. And as they explain what is going on and what had happened, Solomon said, you tell me your side of the story and then you tell me your side of the story. And after everything was said and done, the king had to make a decision. He had to make a sound judgment as to what to and should be done. And he says, bring me a sword. So they bring a sword to him. He said, lay the child on the table. And the child's laid on the table and he takes the sword and raises it up to slay the child. He said, I'll cut it in half. You have side and you have the other side. And when he went to slay the child, the mother cried out and said, no, don't kill it. She can have it. And Solomon looked at him and said, give her the child. It's hers. It's the real true mother because a mother is not going to observe and watch their child die to please anybody. But what a mother will do is say, take it. I'd rather live than to see it die. And that's the type of wisdom that God gave unto Solomon. He gave him wisdom to govern that nation. And to be able to apply that wisdom when it was needed in every circumstance, in every situation. The word of God tells us and says, James says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and without reproach, and it will be given unto him. So wisdom begins with God. We have to seek him for wisdom, seek him for instruction. And he's given wisdom to all of our foreparents and and, and all of those that have patriarchs that have come before us. And that wisdom has to be passed from them down to us. Sometimes we wonder why so much killing, why so much mass murder, why all of these things are going on in our society. Because the righteous wisdom that God instructed parents to give unto their children has not passed down to them. And because it is not passed down to them, we see mass murders. We see killings every day. We see all of these things going on in the urban community and in Caucasian communities all around the world. We see the nasty head of Esau with war and rumors of war rise up every single day. Nations around the world. Why? Because wisdom 
has not been passed down to sons and daughters of those of us who have righteous relationships with God. The Bible tells us in Shepherd, and he goes on to say, for I was my father's son, Solomon said, tender, the only child in the sight of my mother. He said, I was, David was my father. I was the only child. David had another son, but remember, he died. But God blessed him in Bathsheba with Solomon. And he said, I was the only child of my father, tender on and loved in the sight of my mother. So he taught me also. He goes on to say, he taught me wisdom. He taught me knowledge. He taught me understanding. He allowed the presence and the power of God, the wisdom principle to manifest from him, and he shared it and gave it unto me. And that's what parents should be doing today, sharing wisdom with our children so that they will apply to their own hearts. The Bible says in the same book, train up a child in the way it should go. And if it departs from the principles that you have taught it, it may stray, but it will come back. God says your child will return. You just instill in them the wisdom. When they fall short, just keep them uplifted in prayer. When they suffer and go through and have hard times and trials and tribulations and the enemy attacks them physically, realize that that is still my child. I will pray for my child. I will keep him uplifted and love him just the same. See, Solomon had profound love for his child. And we as parents must have profound love for our children. No matter what they experience, no matter what they go through, we have to be like Solomon and say, the word says. And tell them what the scripture says, that they may grow in wisdom and understanding. The psalmist said in Psalm 7, 8, 5, and 6, For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed the Bible, the Torah, in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. Then he said that the generations to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. So you have to pass down generation to generation, from generation to generation. When the structure structure of the spiritual instructions and the righteousness of God is passed down, we won't have mass murder. We won't have killing and shooting and stealing and robbing and all of these things. When we look at what's going on in the urban community, we have to say that the wisdom of God has not been passed down to our children. That's why... They go through what they go through. That's why we find the situations in our neighborhoods that we find. But we have to say, Lord, have mercy on us. Because we haven't done our job. And we can't expect our children to know what to do if we don't properly train them. If we don't properly keep them under the covering of God's word. And continue to pray that God will watch over their lives day and night. And sometimes when children get back into the fold and they know what's going on, they'll call you. I got two calls from two members of this church this week. And both of those members wanted prayer. Both of those members had things going on in their lives. Both of those members were young people. And they needed assistance. And they said, Pastor, Grandma said, call me. One said, Pastor, I want prayer. But the reality is they sought 
out God, first of all, who is our Heavenly Father. God instructed them through their parents. Call the pastor and let him pray for you. Call the pastor and get spiritual advice. That's how things go from one degree to another degree and people stay covered under the covering of God. And when you pray the blessings of God over God's people, guess what? Satan can't interfere. He may try to attack, but they're going to come out with victory every single time. Just keep them under the prayer covering. When you, gain, when you can't counsel them, call the pastor. If the pastor can't counsel them, he called on the Lord while he's talking to you. Because every time y'all call me, I say, Father, give me the wisdom to talk to this child. You may never hear me say it, but that's what I'm praying while I'm listening to what. Give me the wisdom and the insight to give them sound biblical instructions that will bring them the victory that they are seeking. And then I said, now trust God's word because it ain't going to lie. God said before one jot of tittle in my word should any wise fail, heaven and earth will pass away. So when I give you what the word says, you can take that to the bank and cash it in. It's going to be good because God's going to move on his word. Solomon goes on to say, he taught me also and said unto me, let your heart retain my words. Guard my commandments and live. He said, retain the word of God. Guard the commandments. Guard your heart. Protect it. And he said, it is going to give you life. It is going to watch over, protect, and keep you sound at heart and in mind. He goes on to say, get wisdom, get understanding, and forget it not. So you got to have wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the ability to rightly use the knowledge, the skills, the power that God gives into your life. A doctor has skills. He has knowledge. He writes prescriptions. But if he don't have wisdom, he can give you too much and it'll kill you. He has to use discretion based upon his training by those who were before him who had the same wisdom in order to give you enough to make you well and not kill you. Amen. See, wisdom is so important in life. Yes. When you make a decision, go to God first. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, Yahuwah Elohim, say, Father, I don't know what to do with this matter, but you do. And pray about it, but don't jump up and go running off when you pray. Sit right there and listen and see if your heart begins to release information from God to you. Because when you pray, you have to wait until God gives you the answer. Sometimes we pray, we jump up and we run. And we don't wait on the answer. I prayed and ain't nothing happened. Well, did you listen? And did you apply the wisdom that the Holy Spirit gave you when you prayed? But if you apply that wisdom to your situation, you're going to come out on top. Sometimes all you got to do is just give praise. Just wake up in the morning and say, thank you, Father. I praise you. I glorify you. I magnify you. I edify you. I uplift you. I exalt you. I worship you. I adore you because you are the one that gives me everything I need. You are the one that keeps me healthy. You are the one that watches over me. You are the one that protects me. You are the one that guides me. You are the one that leads me. I give you all praise. Walk in a place and the power of the presence is so strong, people just scatter every direction. Why? Because you know where your power comes from. You know your father and you've already had a conversation with him and you've listened to him and all day long you say, Holy Spirit, what do I do in this situation? 
And he gives you the answer every single time. Because your faith and trust is in him. Paul told Timothy in the fifth chapter in the fourth verse, but if a widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and require their parents. For this is good and acceptable under God. Piety, religious reverence, religious power, love and appreciation. Listening to those people and applying the principles that they give you to your life. He says, go forth and take that information and pass it down to your children. Take that information and share it in your community. Sometimes you have to be a father, fathers of children that are not your children. Sometimes you have children that look up to you and they say, I don't know what to do with this situation. What do you think? And they're seeking spiritual counsel. And whenever you respond from the word of God and from the power and the presence and the experience, because sometimes we as fathers have to go through experiences in our lives in order to apply the principles to our own self. See, God, sometimes God will let you go through so you'll be ready when you come in. See, sometimes I prepare a message and all week long I experience the message that I'm going to talk about on Sunday. And then when Sunday morning comes, I've had the experience. I can share the message from experience of what God has allowed me to go through during the course of the week. But some days I go home and say, now, Father, it's Sunday evening. What are we going to talk about next week? God may not answer me till Tuesday. But in the meantime, I'm studying and I'm waiting on the answer. And when the answer comes, guess what? It's always in something I'm looking at. It's all right. I said, this scripture will pop in mind and I'll start looking at that scripture and researching that scripture. And by Sunday morning, the message comes together for what we need to talk about and share from God our Heavenly Father to each of us that it applies to our lives and what we are experiencing. So sometimes you say, well, Pastor, I ain't getting that out of that message. Maybe that one wasn't just for you. Somebody that needed it got it. And they apply the principles to their lives. He tells us that, that, that the fathers must teach the old paths for their children and even their grandchildren, and some even allowed to see great-grandchildren. Timothy told, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 these words, You therefore, my son, Paul talks to Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Yeshua, our Lord and Savior, and the things that you have learned of me among many witnesses, the same commit you unto faithful men, who shall be able to teach them also. He said, what I taught you, apply to your life. But don't just keep it, give it to somebody that needs it. Teach it, pass the wisdom on, pass the knowledge on, pass it on. The reason that you're going to pass it on is because of the fact that they need that wisdom in order for them to develop and grow spiritually just like you have. He said, teach, deliver, set free, do the things that need to be done. The prodigal son is a good example. His father loved him. His father gave unto him. The older brother got most of what was left. But the prodigal son felt like he was entitled. So he goes to his father and he says, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. Now, inheritance is not passed down to you. The father passed away. But this son, he wanted his money up front. He said, give me mine now. I don't want to wait. I want mine right now. So he takes some of the estate, 
He turns it into cash and he gives it to him. With no wisdom, he runs out into the field and into the forest and into the wilderness and get into all type of riotous living and adulterous living and, and squanders all of his inheritance. And now he wakes up and comes to himself and he has absolutely nothing, not even enough to buy a meal to eat. He goes and gets himself hired with a farm and the man on the farm puts him in a pig pen to feed the pigs. And he was so hungry he would eat the slop. But, but the Holy Spirit and the training of his father was enough in him to realize that he can go back home. And he comes to himself and, and, and he drops what he's doing and he says, I will go to my father and ask for forgiveness and, and he will at least accept me and allow me to come back home where I can have something to eat and a place to sleep. Go, he goes back home. And, and on the way home, his father sees him coming down the road. He runs and embraces him and gives him a hug and love as though he had never left home. All of the powers and the principles and the teachings of the wisdom that had passed down to him, now he applies it to his son. And he said, Father, forgive me for I've sinned against heaven and God and I've sinned against you. And he says, I'm not worthy to be your son. Just hire me as a servant. And the father sins. He says, bring my best robe. Put shoes on his feet and a ring on his finger. Yes, yes. For this day, my son that was lost is now found. He was dead, but now he is alive. See, that's what wisdom does for us. It allows us to accept that child and keep him in the family and love them regardless of what they're going through, regardless of what they're experiencing. The love of God must be in our heart for our children. He goes on, Solomon says, in verse number seven, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, he says, get wisdom. And with all of your getting, get understanding. He said, exalt wisdom and understanding. That's where the power comes from. And when you exalt her, she shall promote you and she shall bring you to honor. And when you embrace her, she shall give you an ointment of grace. The power, the grace of God is with you as you go. The grace of God covers and protects you and keeps you safe. He says, not only that, he says, a crown of glory shall she deliver unto you. See, God has blessings for you. God has things he wants to do for you and give unto you. But are you willing to accept what God says? Are you willing to accept and do what the word of God tells us? Jeremiah tells us in, in chapter 3 and verse 17, but wisdom that is from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield full fruit and allow that fruit to manifest and it keeps you safe from all partiality of ungodliness and all hypocrisy of the enemy and of the devil. He allows the power and the presence of God to manifest and continue to give you the grace and the glory of God as you go from one degree of grace to another degree of grace. As you go from one elevation to another elevation, the power and the presence of God is with you. And the wisdom of God keeps pouring out of you. You ever see somebody, every time they say something, it's just words of wisdom, words of power. 
<clears throat> that's manifesting and coming out of their mouth. And you go like, where is this coming from? Pharisees and the Sadducees had the same experience with Christ. Christ, the word of God tells us in Luke 2 and 40, the child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom and grace of God. Christ continued what? Even though he was a child, the Sadducees and the Pharisees went and set themselves among him. And Christ, in, in 1 Corinthians 1 and 30, it says, Christ is the wisdom of the Father, but by his doing, you are in Christ your Savior, who became unto us the wisdom of God and his righteousness and his sanctification and finally his redemption comes unto us because what? He is our wisdom. He is our savior. He is our deliverer. He is the one that leads and guides us. Colossians 2 and 3 says, in whom are the hidden treasures of wisdom and power and glory and majesty of God, which manifest in all of our lives. How do we get to this place? By doing the things that Solomon tells us here. We must first of all, Submit ourselves unto our parents that we may grow sons to your fathers, fathers to your sons. Submit yourselves, sons, in the presence of your father, your heavenly father first, and then your earthly father. And allow him to teach you because a parent has already gone through the things that a child has to experience. And a lot of these young folks, oh, dad, just, oh, he's just foggy. Sometimes I have uh, conversations with my daughters. Dad, 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 just, 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 just dad, quit, dad, quit. But the things you are sharing and the things you are telling them are things to bring them to the place that they need to be and to grow them in their wisdom. And they will call me and they'll ask me questions and I will give them advice and I can check and it won't be long. I'll see the fruit of that advice manifesting in their lives. Daughter called, she said, Dad, I want to do something to start my own business. And I told her exactly what she needed to do to get that going. And she applied those principles within two days of our conversation, and her business is growing. So God says, take that wisdom and pass it on down to your children so that they can apply it. You know, I want her to do better than I have done. I want her to be better than I am. I want her to continue to grow and, and continue to prosper in the things of God. And I told her, you keep yourself in church. It's just, Dad, I go, I go, I go. Yeah, right, right, sure, yeah, sure. You've been coming here for over a year, and I ain't seen you yet. But the reality is, teach them, tell them. And when the time is right, God will manifest in their lives the things that you tell them. When they grow up and you begin to see how God has blessed them, how God has strengthened them, how the things that you've shared with them continue to Manifest and the love that they have for you continue to grow for you. You continue, no matter what you experience or what you go through, your children will always love you when you take care of them properly. They will always support you. They will always come around and be there when you least expect them. They'll always be there. He said, tell them what I told you to tell them. That's what God told Solomon. Tell your son what I told you to tell him. Not only him, but tell other people what I told you to tell your son. James says these words in 317. But the wisdom that is above is first pure, peaceable. And then it goes on to say, 
gentle, willing to yield the fullness of fruit, which is without hypocrisy and without partiality. Wisdom gives you life and happiness. Not only does it give you life and happiness, it allows you to continue to develop and grow. And look at what he says in the third chapter of Proverbs. These verses, he said, in 13, he says, happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gets and gains understanding. For her, pros for her proceeds, or proceeds are better than the profit of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things you can desire cannot be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand, riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all of her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold upon her, take hold upon her, and happy are all who retain her. Wisdom is the principal thing the Word of God says. And of all the things you get, get wisdom. Solomon said, apply it to your life, and you'll find there is blessings in wisdom. There is strength in wisdom. Get wisdom from God. Get wisdom from your parents. Apply that wisdom to your life. And then take it and give it to others who will need that wisdom somewhere along life's line. May God bless you today. May heaven smile upon you. And remember, continue to stay before God and apply the principles of his word to your life. Let us stand for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, our Elohim, we come this morning to say thank you for this message. We thank you for this word of life. We thank you for these that have come this morning, that have gathered here, to hear from you, our Father, our wisdom, our instructor, our teacher, our comforter, our guide. We call upon you now to allow this message and take it and plant it in the hearts of every listener. Allow them to apply these principles into their lives, that they may grow to be better Christians and better leaders in the house of God. We praise you now, Lord, take us, let us take this message to our communities and our neighborhoods and apply it and live it before the people of God and the world that they may see Christ in us and give you praise and come unto you as the Lord of their lives. We bless you this morning. We praise and glorify you. We magnify and edify you for all of the wonderful things you continue to do in our lives. These blessings we ask to create and declare by faith. In Christ Yeshua's mighty name we pray. And all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. Luke, the third chapter, and we find the first ten verses in the third chapter. Now, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judah, and Harold the Tetarch of Galilee, and the his brother Philip the Tetarch of Yator and of the region Tyrannus and Linnaeus and the Tetarch of Abain. The word of God tells us in verse 2 that Chanyahu and Kuyaha being the high priest, the word of Yahuwah came unto John the son of Zechariah in the wilderness and he came into the country about Jordan preaching and immersing or baptizing the repentance for the remission of sins. 
as it is written in the Sefer of the word of Christ Yeshua or Joshua the prophet, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord, make a path straight, every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth, and all flesh shall see Yeshua, uh, or the salvation of Yeshua. Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be immersed of him, O generation of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance and be begin not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God, Yahuwah, is able of these stones to raise children unto Abraham. Now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that bring not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? Let us pray. Father, we come this morning to give you praise and glory. We thank you for this hour and for this moment. And we give you praise for your goodness, mercy, love, and grace. Come in among us now through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit and teach us, lead and guide us by the will and the power of the Most High. We praise you, we bless you, we glorify and magnify you, for you indeed are worthy of all praise and glory. These blessings we ask, decree and declare, Holy Spirit, teach us. We ask in Christ Yeshua's mighty name. All God's people say, Amen. Amen. So we look from the theme, repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. And for many of us, that might not be the case. We've already done that. But all good grass needs watering. And so we're going to water the grass this morning a little bit and remind us of what God is saying to the world about repentance. The writer tells us in Luke that John came forth. He was cousin of Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, our Lord and Savior. He was six months older than Christ, and his mother was Elizabeth, his father was Zechariah, and Elizabeth being six months in expectancy, then all of a sudden Mary is visiting her when Christ leaps in her womb. So there was six months apart and they died exactly one year apart. So John ministered for a year and he was in prison for a year and a half. Yeah. Christ ministered for three full years. So the word of God bears out this morning. Why was this important unto everyone? He said Pontius Pilate was the governor, Harold and, and, and Caiaphas were also, at some point, the emperors of the area. And Philip the Tetarch was also one of the emperors that had been appointed to cover some of the territory that Harold had given. Because Harold took his kingdom and divided it into three parts. Yeah. And so Philip was being in charge of one of those parts. And, and, and John gets himself in trouble with, with Harold because of the wife Herodias, this wicked woman that he had been married to. Amen. 
And, and, and they didn't like John because John came and told Harold, it's not good for you to have this wicked woman. But Harold ignored John and married her anyway. And this landed him in prison. But prior to him going to prison, he had a message. He was a person of the wilderness. He ate locusts and wild honey, and he stayed out in the desert. Uh, 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 right not far from the Jordan River down in the, the desert area of that region. He stayed there, and, and that's where he developed. He was not one to come into the city, but he stayed in seclusion, and God prepared him. The Holy Spirit ministered to him and got him ready to go forth with the message of repentance. And, and, and what is repentance? It is to ask God to forgive you of your sin, uh, to turn from them and to go the opposite direction. It is walking in the light of righteousness. And John's message was not just one of come and be baptized, but he said, first, get your heart right with Christ. Get your heart right with God by repentance. And not only that, let me see that repentance inside of you. And once I see that repentance inside of you, then I can go forward in the things that I need to go forward with as far as your baptism. See, John would not baptize until he could actually see evidence of repentance. So he could see evidence that your heart has changed and that you would stop doing the old things that you were doing. He would not baptize you until that was done. Story tells us and goes on to say that John came forth preaching and teaching the message, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And preparation was repentance. Preparation was change your heart. Preparation was change your ways and be transformed into the ways of God and live your life according unto Christ, according to the word of God. The gospel tells us that there must be true repentance in the heart of every person that received Christ as Lord and Savior. So, so if I say I repent, and then I go back and continue doing what I repented of. Have I really repented? Have I really had the remorse and the godly sorrow that I need to have in order to cleanse my soul? Yes. See, that's, that's a process. That don't happen overnight. It's a process. So John says, let me see it in your life. So how does that happen in our life? Christ comes into our lives and he transforms us. He fills us with the Holy Spirit. And guess what the Holy Spirit does? He starts daily peeling it off of us. Because the physical fleshly desires always hang around. God never saved your flesh, so don't get worried about the flesh. Because God didn't save your flesh. He saved your spirit. He transformed your heart. The flesh is never going to change. It's going to be the same flesh. It's going to have the same nature that it has always had. Because the Bible says we were born in sin and we were shaped in iniquity. So there's going to be instances in our lives where we have to go back and say, Father, forgive me. But once you repent of something, the blood of Christ, Yeshua, covers you. And the enemy may try to trick you and the enemy may try to trap you and the same things may appear to be happening all the time but you are covered by the blood. So what does the Holy Spirit do? He convicts you daily of whatever it is. And he says, now you need to get that right. Now you need to clean this up. Now you need to clean that area of your life up. So he works on all of us. Me too. This includes me. See, everybody thinks the preacher is supposed to be perfect. Oh, the devil come after us more than you do the congregation. A lot of them don't admit it, but the devil be on our track and on our trail 24-7. Yeah. 
trying to get you to do something or say something that, that they can, oh, did you hear what the, happened to the pastor over at such and such a place? Did you hear what he was indulged in? See, Satan is always after us. But God says in every temptation, there is a way of escape. So you might have to use the side door. You might have to use the back door. You might have to crawl through the kitchen. But there is always a way of escape. The word says you can get out of it if you desire. But do you really desire to get out? Do you really desire to have sincere repentance in your heart for what you are experiencing and going through? See, we heard a testimony this morning that God has been working on Sister Diane. She says, the Lord has helped me. The Holy Spirit is coming to my heart and he has allowed me to be helped with the situation or with the problem that I'm experiencing and going through. And for 10 days, I have had deliverance. That's the testimony. See, that God will move in our heart. God will move in our life. And he will take things away from us that we don't need. And some things we definitely won't. We don't need it. You ever prayed that prayer? Lord, I know it's not good for me, but I still want it. I know I'm going to get in trouble with it, but I still desire it. Paul said, I was the chief sinner. He said, I was chief. So if Paul was the apostle, he was the chief. Just imagine he said, I had more sin than all of them together because he was doing some terrible things. And I'm going to get into that in a little bit more in my message. Paul did some awful things as a Pharisee. You say, well, Paul was a Roman. He was, but he was also a Pharisee. Worked with the Pharisees and Sadducees. Yes. Doing things that he had no business doing. But, but he had a meeting with a man one day. Yes. And when he had that meeting, something changed. Yeah. And it's hard. We're going to talk about it in just a few minutes. But he said, to be godly sorry, to repent is to first of all recognize that I have done something wrong. Some people do wrong when they don't even recognize it. You ever see somebody step on your foot and you say, you ought to have your foot out the way? Instead of saying, forgive me, I'm sorry, I didn't step on your foot. They say, you ought not have it in the way. Well, your foot, your foot don't know where it's supposed to be. It's only going to be where you put it. What kind of silliness is that? You ought not have it in the way. Let's go a little bit further. He says, you must regret what you have done and you must have remorse. We're talking about repentance. You must have remorse for that behavior. See, he says, you must ask for forgiveness and turn from that behavior and never allow it to manifest again. You say, well, Bishop, how in the world are we supposed to do that? We can only do it through the presence and the power and the work of the Holy Spirit within us. We can never do it within ourselves. Some people think they say they are. They can walk right. They can talk right. They can do everything to somebody. Make them mad. And boy, you hear those four-letter words. They come in multitude. You're like, is that the same person was confessing Jesus as Lord and Savior yesterday? And people looking at you like, whoa, whoa, where's all that coming from? It's, it's not what's in the heart that we allow of the spirit to manifest. It's the things in the heart that's not of God that a lot of times will manifest. People make you angry. If you don't say it, you think it, you already sinned. When you said it, you double sinned. He said it's not the mouth. It's what's in the heart that condemns us. So we have to get the heart right first. So he said, that's why he says, true repentance comes when we get the heart right. Listen to what Isaiah said. Isaiah made the statement in Isaiah 40 and 3. Isaiah said, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, 
make straight a path in the desert, a highway for our God to come forth. Why? How? Why? Because Christ is soon to come. He talks about it in Isaiah. Not only that, the reason is because I want you right when Christ comes. Say, so you don't want to wait till Christ comes to get right. You don't want to wait till Christ comes to, to, to say, Lord, I'm ready to repent. It's too late when he comes. If, if you leave and you're not right now and Christ comes and you've had that opportunity, guess what? You had your chance. I'm here now. It's kind of like you ask somebody, you go into the store and you're going to pick up something to eat. And you say, sweetheart, do you want me to pick you up something? And they say, no. You come back and they say, well, you didn't bring me nothing to eat. Well, you said you didn't want nothing to eat. See? You didn't want it, so I didn't bring it. Christ says, when I come... I offer you salvation. It's free. All you've got to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, and it's yours. But you decided, I'm going to wait till next Sunday. I'm going to wait till the following Sunday. I'm going to wait till the Sunday. Notice the devil never tells you to do it today. He always says, wait till next week. Wait till next week. Every week he's going to tell you the same thing, wait till next week. And then we're going to eventually run out. But Christ says, today. Today, 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 right now is the time of salvation. Now is the time. Not next week, not next month. Now, always remember, you can be three places in life. You can be in the past, wondering what the world went wrong. You can be in the future, trying to figure out how it's going to work out. Or you can live in the present and enjoy the present moment. And it's always good to live in the present. Because when you're in the present, you know exactly what's going on because the power and the presence of God within you is always menacing to you in the present. When you slip back in the past, that's the devil. You try to get too far in the future, the enemy is trying to get you ahead of God. But when you stay right with God in the present moment, he will lead and guide you through the Holy Spirit and direct you every single time. And everything that you trust him to do, he'll do it for you. The problem is a lot of people don't want to do that. They want to hurry. They want their everything instantly. They want to go to McDonald's and Burger King and get it instantaneously. They want it fast, quick, in a hurry. And God says, you need to be patient, sit down somewhere and wait till I get ready to move in your situation. And if you do, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. See, he tells us, God speaks to Israel in the book of Chronicles. Ezra, the prophet, gave the Israelites this message in the Second Chronicles 7 and 14, he made this declaration. He said, if my people, he was talking to Israel, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Yes. Now notice, that is the prerequisite for salvation. He said, you must do all these things first. Then he said, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Now we are wondering and meandering and doing all kind of crazy things as a people. Our children out murdering and killing and stealing and robbing and doing everything but they need that what they need to be doing. God wrote this message to Israel. Everybody has received it but Israel. You know, you go places and you see our people and you wonder, you say, now Lord, wonder why our people are the way they are. It's the devil. Yeah, yeah. It's the devil. The Bible says the devil, like a roaring lion, seek whom he may devour, walking to and fro in the earth. Yeah. He, he's constantly after our children, 
Ask for some adults. I know 80, 90-year-old people wouldn't give God the time of day if God came down and paid them for the time of day. But God says, if my people through Ezra will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. God says, when that happens, I'm going to be listening. And I'm going to move on your behalf. I'm going to transform you and change you. When we set all of our abilities on the things of God and stop the murdering, stop the killing, stop the rape, stop the alcoholism, stop the drugs, do the things that bring glory and praise to God, stop physical abuse, sexual abuse, and all of the ungodly and unwanted things that God has said for us not to do as a people. He says, you're royalty. What in the world is the matter with you? Why can't you just get yourself together? You're royalty for God's sake. Y'all heard that in coming to America, I'm sure. You're royalty. You're priests and priestesses of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What is the problem? Why do you meander in the earth and act like you are nobody because somebody told you you was destitute? That is not our lot as a people. We came from wealth. We came from riches. And we were enslaved in Egypt. And God released us out of Egypt and let us go into the promised land and we forgot all about that. That's what got us to where we are today. Because our foreparents and forefathers forgot that God had delivered them and they were living in a land filled with milk and honey and decided to go worship Baal. Golden calf. Decided to do things that was ungodly and unrighteous. And because of that, they wandered in the wilderness and God said, I'm going to enslave you again. Talked about that Wednesday. He says, I'm going to put you on ships and I'm going to send you all over the country. I'm going to send you all over the world. I'm going to send you to all four corners of the earth because you won't do right. You're going to be enslaved and you're going to do what those people say and they're not going to have no mercy on you. Took our kids, sold. Took our wives, enslaved them. Took us, enslaved us and put us on, on farms and put us on plantations to work for absolutely nothing but a meal. And this country, one of the many, had gotten rich on free labor of royal people of God. The word of God says, repent. When we know who we are and where we come from, we'll be a whole much better people. We'll be able to understand and know for the fact that God himself has made us who we are. He tells us in this verse, in verse number Seven, prepare the way of the Lord, make a path straight, let every valley be filled and every mountain and hill brought low. He goes on, he says, let the crooked places be made straight and the rough ways be made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. He says all this must happen before you see salvation. How many people you know are saved and didn't make a confession? If they didn't confess sincerely and were sincere in their heart, they're not saved because they haven't changed their ways. When you are saved, you don't live like the world. You know, when we were growing up as young people, we wanted to go to the club. My dad had two. We wanted to go down there and juke joint and do it with the other people and party and have a good time. But when we were transformed and received Christ as Lord and Savior, that desire leaves. Yes, sir. We may say, you want to go with me? And you go with them. 
You don't realize where they're going until you get there. You say, oh, this is not a place where I need to be hanging out. You got me this time, but you won't get me again. See, when you know your friends and you know who they are and you know what they stand for, then if they don't stand for Christ and what the word of God tells us they ought to stand for, we need to leave those kind of people alone. Let them run because the day is going to come when they are going to run out. I heard people say, every bone in my body aches now. I say, well, that's because of what you did when you was younger. Ran and did all kind of crazy things and now it's catching up with us. Instead of walking like this, we're walking like this. Instead of crawling, we're on our belly trying to motion ourselves to where we need to go. See, those things have caught up with us. See, the Bible says what? Your sin will what? Find you out. He goes on to tell us in Romans 10 and 9, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Yeshua, Jesus Christ, Hamashiach, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He says, why? For man believes with the heart. Confession is made to justification with the mouth and you are saved. The scripture says that no one who believes in him will be put to shame. So if you put your faith and trust in Christ, you're not going to be made ashamed. The Holy Spirit is going to lift you up. Christ is going to cover you with the blood. He's going to watch over and protect you the entire time. So the enemy may come up against you. you. Do you realize how important you are? The devil tries to fight you and tries to take advantage of you. And God got angels all around you watching you and looking out for you. And if you, if you get close to trouble, God sends that. Go get that person and get them out of the way. Go move that enemy out the way. Get that car out the way. Don't let it hit my child. Don't let it damage my son. Watch me on here. Watch as you on the job. Don't let that fire burn him. Don't let that all fall on his foot. See, the Holy Spirit sends the angels just to cover and protect. He says, no evil shall come near your dwelling. The royalty. And when you accept Christ as Lord and Savior, guess what happens? He guarantees your security. See, the blood... The blood washed away your sins. His death buried all of your sins. His resurrection guaranteed your eternal life and security in the kingdom. What is it that that, that might be troubling you or keeping you from repenting and asking Christ to sincerely take over your heart and, and do what needs to be done to make you walk right and talk right and live right. Because the enemy, as I said, is busy. The Bible says he is a thief. He comes to kill, to steal, to destroy. He said, I have come in John 10 and 10 that you may have life and have it more abundantly. That's what the word of God says. He says, we must genuinely sincerely mean it when we ask God to forgive us. When we ask God to wash us of our sins. There are things in our life that only the Holy Spirit can cleanse us of. But if we are sincere when we ask God, the Holy Spirit will go to work. And whenever you feel the Holy Spirit nugging at you, you need to pray. Feel the Holy Spirit nugging at you, don't do that. Holy Spirit nugging at you, don't go that way. Holy Spirit nugging at you, don't you allow that to happen. Holy Spirit nugging at you, you need to go home. Holy Spirit keep telling you, do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that. Are you listening? 
And are you paying attention to the voice of the Holy Spirit? Or, or can you even hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? He ain't going to come like thunder or lightning. What? The word of God said, the prophet said, what's this small voice you hear? Came to Elijah in a whisper. He was waiting on him to come in the thunder and the roaring and in the fire and in the power. God came in a small, still voice and told him what he wanted him to know. And sometimes we're looking for God in all the wrong places. And that's why we can't get to the place where we need to get to, to receive the blessing. See, there are blessings in the things of God. The Bible tells us in uh, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So, so once you receive him and, and, and ask him to forgive you, he says, I'm going to clean you up. See, we don't go out and work and, and do all kind of crazy things and then just come running the way we are. I, I was out doing washing the car yesterday and, and uh, I, I went to the store and I looked at my hands and they were completely black. Dirt all under my nails and everything. I said, Lord, I really don't want to go into the store like this, but, but I need to get these things because I was getting ready to go to a wedding. So I went on in the store, but you, you take notice of things whenever you're doing right. You don't want to go places all nasty and dirty. You want to keep yourself clean. And, 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 and that bothered me. So I went immediately home and jumped in the shower and just scrubbed myself down real good before I went to the wedding. But the reality is, God wants us to clean up. God wants us to clean our children up. God wants us to clean our communities up. God wants us to clean up our cities and our state and the country. And the word of God is the only thing that will allow that to manifest and allow that to happen for us. There are those in the scripture that, that, that receive true repentance. Nor preached. It's going to rain. He kept preaching it. And he kept preaching it. And he kept preaching it. And of the entire earth, only eight people was saved because of repentance. Noah, his wife, his sons, and their wives. The only ones that were saved out of the whole earth. God let it rain 40 days and 40 nights because the people refused to repent. He, he, he let them go down because they did not allow the power and the presence of God to manifest in their lives. The Bible tells us and shares with us that, that Christ himself, who is the good shepherd, in, 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 in Luke 15 and 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than the ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. He said, when one person come up and repent, heaven rejoices. Everything stopped. God looks down and says, whoa, I see the blood. Yes. Covering that individual because they made that decision. They made that decision. When you go out from among us, tell people about Christ. Well, you're not perfect, sister. You're not perfect, brother. You're not perfect, bishop. Still tell them. Tell them. And say, listen, you need to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. You come, they come crying to you and wallowing and hollering and say, you need to accept the Lord as your personal Savior and things will get better for me. And I told a member of this church a couple weeks ago, I said, the reason the devil is fighting you is because you made a commitment to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. 
and he's fighting everything in your life trying to keep you so busy fixing this and straightening out that so you ain't even thinking about where you need to be and that's in the house of God and let the people of God pray over you and pray about those situations in your life so that you can overcome them I remember grandma didn't have nothing in the cabin in the cabinet but a couple of cans but she would come out there and mom they would come out there and you'd go in there and you say I didn't see but a couple of things in there but there'd be a whole meal on the table they could take a little of nothing and make a meal out of it and feed six or seven children. Nowadays, we, we go to the store telling, well, I don't know what I want to eat. We, we have choices now. But then, they made do with what they had. Now, other people having to realize, we got to make do with what we have. Because we don't have it like we used to have it. Gas highs, a kite. Groceries done going up through the ceiling. You go to the store with $10, you might be lucky to walk out with two or three items anymore. If you're lucky to get that. I went in the store and got three items yesterday. And it was $14 for three items that I went in the store to purchase. See, the reality is things are not going to get any better. It might appear that way, but that's going to be very short-lived. We have to trust God and allow God to minister in our hearts and lead us and guide us to the place where we need to go. I told you I was going to tell you about Saul of Tarsus. In the book of Acts, the ninth chapter, there's a story about this Saul of Tarsus. He went around persecuting the church. He went around having Christians imprisoned and put in jail. And one day he was going from... Jerusalem to Damascus. And he'd done his little dirty work and he was on the road heading down the road. And the Bible says that while he was riding on his horse, God knocked him off the horse and he hit the ground. And when he hit the ground, Christ asked him, he said, so, so, why are you persecuting me? And so, so, so I say, who is it, Lord? God said, it's me. Yeah. Christ said, it's me. You're persecuting me. You're interfering with what I'm trying to do. You're coming up against the people of God. You're fighting the church. I created the church. It is my ecclesia. It is my called out and chosen people. And leave my people alone. God struck him blind for three days. He had to have somebody lead him to Ananias. <laughs> And Ananias prayed for him and he got his sight back. And when he got his sight back, he was able to go and sit down in front of Ananias. And when he sat in front of Ananias, he was trained and taught and then he became the Apostle Paul. But, but at first, he had to repent of what he was doing. He had to ask for forgiveness for the things he had done and for all of the sorrow and all of the people he had mistreated and persecuted and done wrong who's serving the same God that he ends up in front of on the Damascus Road. See, sometimes you think you got away. You might get by, but you ain't got away. It, it may look like you, you escaped it, but after a while, all the covers are going to come off. And everybody going to know that, 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 that you have been a Saul of Tarsus. You've not put your faith and trust in the Lord. You've not sincerely repented. 
you not sincerely ask for forgiveness. You not sincerely ask God to take whatever it is away from you. See, whatever it is that you're fighting, you can't fight them demons by yourself. You got to ask God to take it. You say, Father, cover me in the blood. Father, watch over me. Father, keep me. Father, lead and guide me. I can't do it myself. I need your help. I need your assistance. I need your guidance. I need hope. I need faith. All of the assurance comes from you. And I have to put my faith and trust in you. That's what John said. Repent and believe the gospel. Because there's somebody coming along the road. See, John already knew who Christ was. They were cousins. They grew up together. He was the closest companion to Christ until the day that he was beheaded. And then John the Apostle took that place. So, see, 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 when John was ministering and telling them, everybody got angry. So some people are going to get mad at you whenever you stand for the truth. They ain't going to want to hear the truth. They're going to hate you for telling them what they need to know. You ever see people get mad because you, you tell them the truth and they get angry and walk out with you, stop speaking to you, stop calling you, stop talking. Because you told them the truth? Baby, just be angry. Honey? Just let the feathers fall off or flap your wings, whatever you want to. But I am not going to not tell you the truth because I have to give an account if I don't tell you the truth. I'd rather you know the truth and then die and say, Lord, I'm so glad he he told me because I didn't believe nothing that he said. I don't believe what he talked about. But but the truth will set you free. What did John say in 832? You shall know the truth, and the truth that you know will set you free, will deliver you from the enemy, will allow you to go forth in things of God, will allow you to be able to rejoice and give happiness and be praising God in the things of God because you know that you have escaped the traps of the enemy, and the devil can't do you no harm. The word of God tells us and shares with us, the enemy cannot do us any harm when we put our faith and trust in the Lord. That's what, that's what the word of God says. First of all, repent of whatever it is that you are harboring in your heart. Say, Father, I ask for forgiveness and I have godly sorrow and I repent. Not only that, I ask you to come into my heart and be Lord of my life. Lead and guide and direct me and keep me safe. Some people want to repent for everything every day. When you repent, when you make a mistake, you ask for forgiveness. You don't keep repenting. He said, Lord, I made a mistake. I repented of my sin. Christ is coming to my heart. He's now Lord of my life. And now I ask for forgiveness for whatever mistake I made, whatever yes, sin I yes. You ask for forgiveness after you repent and come to God and come to Christ. The blood covers you. Yes. You make a mistake, you ask for forgiveness. You don't keep repenting. You repent for the same thing you're doing, then you need to do whatever you need to do to secure that so you don't have to worry about it. Anything that I can't, that I can't handle, I'm going to say, Lord, you need to fix this for me, please. If you can't fix it for me, I'm going to be in trouble. See, you can't do it in yourself. Some people try to do it in themselves. You can't fix problems in yourself. you got to give it to the Lord. Say, Lord, it's in your hand. Brother Cooper sitting down there, he said, I sure pray I get, get back to church. Look at him sitting right there in front of us. Well, he called me and said, I, I sure pray that I can get back to church, Bishop. And I said, Brother Cooper, you're going to be back. Look at him sitting right there. Ain't been that long ago I told him that. But the Lord will what? Answer your prayer. It may not be in your timing, but when the time is right, God will answer your prayers. You know, when, when, when Jerome called me and told me that Diamond's in the hospital, I said, my prayers that they let her go home. 
I called the next day to check on Diane and she was at home. Yes, yes. God will answer you. Yes, he says what? Repent. And then he says, I will hear from heaven and I will what? Heal the land. See, when we repent and ask for forgiveness, God hears our prayers. He answers our prayers when we pray them. Yes. Then it's just a matter of time that they will manifest. And we can rejoice and give him praise and glory knowing that I have the victory. Right. In whatever I'm experiencing, I have the victory over the devil. I have the victory over Satan because he is already defeated. He's already, see, the hell was made for the devil and his angels. Not you and I. A lot of people going to join them, but that, that was not God's law. God didn't intend for us to go to a burning, fiery hell. He said, I want you in the kingdom with me. I want you to walk streets of gold. Christ said what? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and sup with him and he with me. He says, I'm knocking. Are you hearing me? I'm knocking. I'm looking. I'm seeking. I'm calling. Are you going to answer me? What is it that's keeping you from receiving Christ as Lord and Savior? What is it that's hindering you from asking for true repentance and trusting God? What is it that's standing in your way between you and God? And somebody tell me one time, that they, they, uh, uh, the, I'm not going to that church because there's a bunch of hypocrites over there. Well, if a hypocrite's the only thing standing between you and God, he's closer to him than you are. Because he can always ask for forgiveness. Your case is different. You've got to ask for repentance first. So that's what makes him closer to God than you are. See, he said, God said what? I'm married to the backslider. See, you are already a child of God. All you got to do is what? Repent. All you got to do is what? Ask for forgiveness and trust him to continue to build your life, give you inspiration, give you encouragement, inspire your heart and say, I am indeed a child of the king. I am indeed a warrior, a soldier of the lamb. I am indeed, I have the promise of eternal life. I have eternal life promised to me. I have a reward waiting on me for, he said, when we get there, we will be rewarded for our work on this side. We will be rewarded for the things that he's doing in our lives. May God bless you today. May heaven smile upon you. May we all stand. The doors of the church is open. If there's one today that says, I want to cast my lot among you, and you want to come, the doors of the church are open right now. There's one that says, I need Christ as my personal Savior. The doors are open. If that's you, come right now. Whatever you desire of Christ, and you know you need it in your heart, come right now. There's one right there. God bless you. Whatever it is you're trusting God for and believing God for, continue to pray and ask him to move in your life and in your heart and he will indeed do it for you he will strengthen you he will help you he will be with you he will guide you and walk right by your side all you got to do is say i'm giving it to the lord i can't handle it myself i trust him and i'm giving it unto him god bless you this morning and may heaven smile upon you.